unlike what it was for our parents and maybe even older baby boomers, that if you had a degree and you entered a profession, that that was the end. You had your college degree and and you had a job for life. Now, the half-life of a, of a skill is about five years. So even what you learned in your freshman year of college or, or five years ago, it may not be quite as relevant and we have to continue to evolve. Welcome to Dear Human Resources, a show about HR topics and current trends. Our guests are practitioners and researchers who share their in-depth knowledge and experience with the goal of giving you an insider's look at human resources. I'm your host, Marilyn Germain. In this episode, we welcome Ira Wolf, the founder of Googleization Nation, a TEDx speaker, podcast host, and a frequent speaker at the Society for Human Resource Management. In 2021, he was in the top 100 HR influencers. He's going to talk to us about the great collision when the perfect labor storm meets Googleization. Welcome, Ira. Hey, thanks very much. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Can you explain what you mean by the perfect labor storm meeting Googleization? I'd be happy to. I've been focused on this for well over 20 some years. It's really two parts. Um, in 1999, for those who might have been in business or around then, we were experiencing a similar problem to what we have now. We have more job openings than people. The millennials were just coming in the workforce. Gen X was a smaller generation. They were coming of age. And uh, we were. Uh, the economy was booming uh, right before the dot-com. And there was a lot of talk about what was coming in our future. Uh, McKinsey had started it, and a number of other people talked about it. Deloitte talked about a war for talent. People blamed or pointed fingers, I won't say blamed, but pointed fingers at a number of different things about the why we were having labor shortages, why you couldn't hire people, why people were turning over at a rapid rate. And demographics had a major play in that. But so did globalization, so did technology, so did kind of a, a, a slowing down in male participation rates and uh, females coming in and education. And I, I came up with this concept that there really isn't one reason why co employers were having trouble finding people. Uh, there were many reasons. And I identified over 20 and I keep adding, you know, the pandemic uh, added a few more of those. So the perfect labor storm is really the convergence of many factors that was creating a, a shortage of not necessarily people, but of skilled labor. Uh, and some of it was the labor was available in one geography and not another. But what's happened is at the same time that we were having these shifts in dynamics uh, in demographics We were also having this conversion of people, business, and technology, and, and that really shaped this Googleization. That's what Googleization is. It's the convergence of people, tech, business, and technology. And it accelerated change. The future of work uh, started to evolve at a faster pace, and then all of a sudden we had the pandemic You know, in March of 2020 overnight of uh, people started to work remote, 40, uh, up to 40% of the workforce worked remote. Prior to that, there was only 2% of the workforce. That was where labor shortages really met up with this convergence of people, business, and technology. And although everybody was hoping that we would get back to normal, uh, moving forward really created quite a disruption of how people viewed work, how they valued work, 
where they worked. So that was that collision between a perfect labor storm of just taking uh, shifting dynamics and skill sets and skill demands and an acceleration of change and creating a, uh, which is still evolving. We really don't know what the future of work is going to look like, but we, we know that it's changing pretty rapidly. Right. So what kind of skills and personal attributes do you think are going to be really valuable in the next couple of years? And it's a great question. Um, and there's many skills. I mean, we certainly need people that have technical skills. And that could range from being a physician or a nurse or an engineer or an architect, you know, or it could be that you don't need a, a four-year degree and an advanced degree in that regard. We have a shortage of skilled labor in, in the trades. Uh, we need welders. We need carpenters. Uh, we need plumbers. We need electricians. We need a lot of teachers. Some skills that we need are more on the technical side. We need people to get those skills and to acquire those skills. But from everything that we talked about that, that I introduced was that our world is changing very rapidly. We lived in what we call a VUCA world. Uh, for those not familiar with that, it's V-U-C-A. Uh, I think it was one of the most appropriate acronyms for, for 2020, and it represents volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And we all experience change to a different degree, but the level of uncertainty and ambiguity that is confronting us requires us to be more adaptable. And we work with a model called the ACE model, and the A part of that is abilities, and which is, is really some skills and personal attributes that we need to develop. Uh, many of the listeners may be familiar with grit and resilience. Uh, grit, Angela Duckworth put grit on our skill map, and we need perseverance and passion. Uh, there's no question about that for what we do. Uh, we need resilience because we're going to continue to have setbacks and, and get knocked down a bit. But, but just persevering and bouncing back is Einstein's definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, but and expecting a different result. The other factors that we look at really uh, emanate from a growth mindset that we're on a journey that unlike what it was for our parents and maybe even older baby boomers, that if you had a, a degree and you entered a profession, that that was the end. You had your college degree and and you had a job for life. And now the half-life of a, of a skill is about five years. So even what you learned in your freshman year of college or, or five years ago, it may not be quite as relevant and we have to continue to evolve. So uh, we, we need to develop a growth mindset. We need to learn, but we need to unlearn. We have to be willing to change our behaviors, to say that that worked in the past, but it may not work in the future and it wasn't a waste of time, but we need to put that aside. And we also need a fifth skill, which is called mental flexibility. And mental flexibility really looks at the ability to critical thinking, to deal with a lot of information, misinformation, disinformation. So the five skills that we really focus on is grit, resilience, growth mindset, mental flexibility, and unlearning. And the composite of that, when you put those, if those are, or if those are the ingredients in a recipe, it really translates into being adaptable, being agile. So you also say that people need to reimagine their tomorrow, right? So how do you do that? And what does that look like? In order to do that, we need to, to be adaptable. We need to be comfortable. We need to develop confidence and courage. And my, my first career, I was a dentist. I left that 28 years ago. I've been doing this almost twice as long as I practiced. And 
I guess maybe that was just my nature. Uh, it was a natural for me. I, I looked at it from what were the skills that I learned during those years that I actually practiced and, move, and moved into a leadership, advisory, coaching, human resources world instead. I was always reimagining what my tomorrow could look like, where other people really had the mindset that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that, well, you know, I'm a teacher or I'm an attorney or I'm a dentist or I'm an engineer. And, and, and they got defined by their title. And we now need to really question that. Uh, are, you know, who are we? You know, our definition shouldn't be so locked in. People can really almost do anything that they want. And that's that really is what the nature of a growth mindset is. So, you know, looking out to, you know, what are the possibilities? What are the other things that we can explore? We don't have to be a master at everything. Really, our proficiency, our life satisfaction, our career satisfaction, even our employability. McKinsey came out with a really, really good report, uh, survey study about a year ago. And they identified adaptability as the number one driver of career satisfaction, life satisfaction, employability, and even making money. People have to become more comfortable being uncomfortable because the rug's going to be pulled out from all of us at one point or another. Uh, it certainly was two years ago, but that's not the end. It's going to continue. And we're having a little bit of a shift in that. A lot of people were, have recently got laid off and their companies changed. There's other people that see opportunity uh, in, out there. Others see, they see the glasses half full. Many see the glasses half empty. We just need more people to uh, see the glasses as uh, half full. Of course. And what about HR in all of this, though? You know, how are these changes going to affect HR professionals? Yeah, that's that's a challenge. I just came back from a SHRM conference. And, uh, you know, the emphasis there was one is the focus has got to be back more on the human. They had the legal seminars. They had the compliance seminars. They had the technology seminars. But somewhere in there, humans get lost. There's a book that was out a few years ago. It's called The Humanocracy. But we talk about having a people first, people forward, people centric. I think it's as simple as we need to put the H back in HR. We need to put the humanity back in HR. And although the intentions of HR have been generally pretty good with that, it's not always been recognized by management. But we're at a tipping point. HR really has an opportunity to take the lead on this, uh, and especially that management is now concerned that they have more job openings, that there's people, there's a high rate of turnover, that productivity needs to uh, continue. We need to really help each individual maximize their potential, but not burn them out at the same time. It's not a matter of how much can we get out of a single person, but how do we help them grow and thrive and remain engaged uh, without burning them out? And that's really HR's role. It's not going to be easy, but at least now management, senior management, the C-suite is paying attention um, because it is affecting their bottom line. When when you have uh, orders coming in, you have a high demand, but you have a consumer need or a business need for it, but you don't have enough people to not only manufacture it, but deliver it, sell it, service it. And that's going to continue for quite a while. That's the perfect labor storm. Uh, the trends indicate that we will have shortages of labor for the next fifth, at least the next 15 years, because that's how long it'll take to correct policies to, to make it different. And we're sort of wasting our time, unfortunately. So Ira, in uh, August 2022, a TikTok user used the term quite quitting, and it's gained quite a bit of attention. Can you explain what it means 
Boy, you hit a hot topic there. Uh, I guess anything that's on TikTok could be a hot topic, especially if it goes viral. And there was just a, a really interesting survey. It just uh, just uh, came out today. And they said that as much as it's made every headlines, and I've probably done a dozen interviews for the press and the media on it, that 56% of people never heard of it before. And there was several thousand people in this survey. So 56% have never heard of it. And of the 44% that did, there was a variety of different versions of it, what it meant. So the the most obvious one, or I won't say the obvious one, but the most common one is that people are just lazy. People just don't want to work anymore. They want to get paid, but they don't want to do their job. And 20 years ago, we used to call that presenteeism, um, but that goes back you know, it was back far as Chaucer and Shakespeare's time. Every everybody talked about the younger generations just having a bad attitude. But that's certainly one of them that we just can't get people to to step up to the plate. And the pandemic did serve as the catalyst for this. That a lot of people said that I'm willing to work as hard as I possibly can. Uh, I'm willing to give you extra time, but I wanted to be treated fairly. I want to be respected. I want to feel that I'm contributing. I don't want to be taken advantage of. Uh, we agreed when I took this job that you would pay me X amount of dollars for X amount of hours. And for years, employer, many employers have stretched that, have tried to get people to, to spend extra time or to add responsibilities that went above and beyond what the original agreement was. And there, now there's a backlash. Uh, having two years that people spend at home, they realize that I don't like spending three or four hours commuting. I don't like spending time in a lot of meetings that waste my time and I don't get my work done. So I have to stay late or work on weekends or check in on vacations. And so there's a generational change, certainly a generational shift. Rather than living to work, people work to live. And at a time when there's not a lot of warm bodies available just because of the demographics that exist, and, and some people uh, you know, are still fearful of going back to the workplace and have COVID and the whole long list of reasons why there's a shortage, that companies, you know, now they're noticing, and I can't say they can't afford, but they're, they're noticing that people aren't willing to give 200% for 100% of pay. They want to be paid fairly. And there's another group that just says, I'll work 40 or 50 hours, but I want to be home with my kids. I want to see my kids grow. I have hobbies. I don't want to burn out and stress out or end up uh, with, you know, either emotional, physical problems uh, down the road. So I'm willing to do that. The other misnomer to that is also, I don't know how many, we, but I don't travel a lot, but I, we just came back from a trip. And every time we have an Uber driver or we see a server, we always ask, you know, do you do this full time? And it's amazing how many people who are identified as quiet quitters because maybe to their primary employer, they said, I can't work overtime or I can't come in this weekend or I can't stay late. Not because they're going home and playing games or video games or goofing off. They have a gig job. They have a second job because they need the money for pay. It's, it's amazing how many people I know that have a full-time job, have a family, are going to school and have a gig job. They're not lazy by any means. They want to work in places that are respected, where they can contribute, and where they can pay their bills. And they can probably have more control over their own work, right? If you're an Uber driver, you control there, yeah, your Yeah, there, there's definitely yeah. autonomy, right? They're, they're, 
or they may have a bigger goal. And in the past, you you know, we we talked about this. We 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 went to school, we went to college, or, or whether you even just graduated high school and you took a career path and you stayed in that path for thirty or forty or even fifty years. I've had a sister in law who's been working in the same job in the same place. She went to school in this hospital. She's a she's a, an LPN, a nurse. She's been there for fifty five years. Wow. And we just had a conversation with her and she complained about all the younger people don't want to work hard because she gets mandated. She worked last week, you know, and she's in her seventies and she worked three days, 16 hours because they were short staffed. She's a baby boomer. She has that ethic. It's like, what's wrong with these young people? And the young people are saying, I'm not going to work 48 hours out of, out of 72. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to wait till I'm 70 years old and not have money in the bank and miss my kids or my, uh, you know, my own personal life. So I'm willing to, to work 40. I'm even willing to work 50. But no, I'm not going to work 70 at the same rate of pay. And this is really important. And not get the respect of management and of my managers and not get recognized for it. So people continue to focus on who doesn't show up for work rather than rewarding the people who do. Thank you, Ira, for your insights on the labor force, on the employability, the future of work, and quite quitting. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Support for this show comes from Western Carolina University, a campus of the University of North Carolina system with the technical assistance of Kelly Menace.